Well, hello and welcome to the Thrive Women's Podcast. This is episode six. And we are so glad that you're listening in today. Lisa, good to see you. Good to see you, Angie. Here we are rolling into summer. Summer's upon us. And it's so good to not only be in summer, but to be able to be around our friends. Yes. Socially distant, being safe, of course. But having conversations in person has meant the world to me in this season. So anyway, so excited about our guest today. She came to our Thrive Women's Conference, Kanisha Bikes. You're going to love what she has to say. And Angie, you actually had a connection with her. Love to hear about that. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. A couple months ago, I was visiting a friend in Seattle and, you know, we're just hanging out and she said, oh, I have someone you need to follow on Instagram. And sometimes when people say that, I'm like, ugh, I don't need another person to follow. But she pulled up Kanisha's account and I loved it immediately, mostly because I'm a sucker for beautiful pictures and homes and decor. And I just started looking through her account and thought, I think there's more to this, but Kanisha has a book out that I ordered on Amazon instantly. Right. And then we started talking about having her at our conference and she agreed to come. And then we met to do this interview and we all just fell in love with her heart and depth of wisdom that she brings to the conversation was really inspiring. And it was a great conversation. Yeah, very real. I think that was one of the things I appreciated. I thought it was going to be more about the creative side and the decorating side, but really she took it on the inside and really shared some great things about creating beauty from within. You're going to love it. It's going to be great. We are here today with an amazing guest that you'll have the chance to hear from, Kanisha Bikes. Woohoo! Yeah! Welcome. I personally have to say, I'm so excited that you're with us. I just got Kanisha's book a few months ago. A good friend of mine was hanging out at her house and she said, You've got to look at this book. <laughs> Restoration House. Yes. So flip through it, and the pictures had me wishing I was at your house for dinner already. <laughs> um, but then, as I read some of the pages, realized that this was a woman with Jesus written all over her. Um, it's doing some amazing ministry. So welcome, Kanisha. So glad. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. What does life look like for you? Oh man, life is big right now. We um, live in Seattle, but I'm originally from Alabama, and my husband and I have four kids. And my husband's name is Larry. Really, 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 really quiet house. Uh, We have four kids. Uh, The oldest is almost 16, which is absolutely insane because I'm only 25. So I don't know. (laughs) I I do not know how I have a 16-year-old. It's really weird. (laughs) You started young. Uh Um, And our youngest is eight. So three boys, one girl, live a full life, um, super active in our church community and in our you know neighborhood and everything. So yeah, life is, is really huge for us. I started uh, Restoration House about 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And Restoration House, for those of you out there who do not know, is the name of my business and brand. And we focus on... Uh, showing people how to live their lives in community um, through home design. That's awesome. And started 12 years ago. My husband was in the military in the Air Force for 10 years, and I was really going through what was a dark season for me in my marriage and in life in general. We were in Hawaii, and that sounds so amazing. <laughs> However, when you are 
living in Hawaii, you're living in Hawaii, yeah. right? So it wasn't like this paradise or this, you know, vacation every day. We were in the midst of some really hard stuff. So mm-hmm. I started Restoration House uh, Restoring Furniture, which is where the name came from at that time. And it kind of gave me this place to really develop my relationship with God. It was where he met me. I don't want to get into really lengthy details, but uh, fast forwarding to now, it kind of has transitioned into more of a way to continue to tell the story of how God continues used to meet me, but also um, offer very practical home and design tips at the same time. What a great story. <laughs> My goodness. Thanks. Well, I'm going to quickly transition to <laughs> your guilty pleasure because we, we are pleasure. women and we all have oh, them. Oh my gosh. We'd love to hear what is it? Maybe it's I this. feel like I'm a lame I don't know. I don't know if I have, I don't know. I'm not like, because I, I don't watch a lot of TV. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, Guilty Pleasure is This Is Us, not really, because it's an amazing <laughs> yeah, show. because you end up crying your eyes out. Yeah, I mean. Emotionally wrecked. Oh, have you yeah. guys watched the whole, like, all yes. the seasons? I haven't gotten yeah, to do all current. the seasons. But. Yeah, it's so much so that we, um, with some best friends of ours, every Tuesday night, we switch off houses, and after the kids are in bed, they will either come to our house nice. or we'll go to theirs, and we will watch This Is Us together and ball our eyes out. Yeah. My husbands, too. That's it. They get in on the action, too. Our husbands are, you know, caught up in the middle of all the emotion yeah, as the well. Big drama. So, That's yeah. interesting. You went right to TV. I went right to food. Did you? Okay, yeah, so I, I, I do have lots of guilty pleasures. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk Trader Joe's yeah. right now. Have you tried oh. those russet potato chips? At the dark ones. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just chowing through that. Wow. Yeah. Do you, the well, Charlie's I guess we got to wrap this up so we can Oh my gosh. Run to Trader do you remember Joe's? the big... Okay, this is aging oh, me. I'm not okay. 25. Surprise. <laughs> but um, do you remember those big tan... Maybe it was an East Coast thing, but those okay. big bl- uh, brown and tan tin... Is it Charlie's Chips? And do you remember? Oh. Somebody please remember Ringing out there. a bell. Um, they, they had like little speckled brown things on oh. the tin, the label, whatever. Anyway, those chips, are j- the ones at Trader's today, yeah. are yeah. just like those. So when I eat them, it takes me right back to my childhood. Right, so right. It's like the best thing ever. But I don't know if chips are my guilty pleasure. I feel like... They're just like, a staple. Yeah, yeah. Like chips are like breathing air. Yeah. Like you can't, you <laughs> can't, you cannot live you. without them. So I don't know if I would, I'm not, I don't, I'm not guilty when I yeah. suck oxygen. Yeah. So but I, I think like that, eat a bag in my car driving home from work. Yeah. A hundred percent. Especially the Trader Joe's ones okay. because they're so small. Okay. Right? Yeah. Like they're they're smaller than the average bag. So you have to eat the whole bag. Oh my gosh. This All is right. great. Now that we've knew, established <laughs> such important content. I knew that we would be friends <laughs> from the moment I looked at your book. But okay. So just recently in a blog post, Kanisha, yeah. um, you talked about your experience as a woman of color mm-hmm. in writing, in blogging industry, in your brand. How would you sum up kind of some of the trials you faced as you are looking at, you know, sharing your voice and sharing your story. What does that look like recently for you? I think that if I were to try to encapsulate it into one thought, I think I would say that I'm on a constant journey or constantly battling that my voice matters. Yeah. Um, and if I think about not just in the world of blogging and um all the things that I do, but just in my life in general, I think that that's been, as a woman of color, that has been a constant battle because my entire life, grew up in Alabama in a small town. Um, in my neighborhood, the people that were in close proximity to me were all, they all looked like me. Mm-hmm. Um, if you drove two blocks out of my neighborhood, everything was not like me. And so there was this guy dichotomy, if you will, of... Uh, just kind of trying to figure out where my place was and if people really actually valued 
who I was and not just what I had to offer, if that makes sense. Yes. So I think as I've become um, more mature in my belief in God and my relationship with him and more mature as a human being, um, I'm still I still find myself kind of reminding myself, you know, that my voice actually matters because it's uh now, obviously, it's 2020 versus 97 or yeah. 85, where you see um, more prominent voices and uh, people who look like me or who are people of color in more prominent positions. Mm-hmm. That's it's it's great. Um, but I, I still think that's probably my biggest challenge is just reminding myself and having God remind me that what I have actually matters. And because it's just so hard to find you know, when when you're when you are living life as a minority, and there's a very specific reason that I that I said that that way, um, which I can't explain because now it sounds really like weird. Like, <laughs> why did you say it that way? Um, but when you're living life that way, I think that when you're not living life that way, it's it's very easy to see yourself. If you see yourself, then you know you can be right. Yeah. Um, you know that you can do. So, yeah, I think. Uh, that it's, it's it's that's probably my biggest challenge. I don't want to belabor it, but yeah, no, yeah. good. Yeah. I'm gonna ask a follow up because I think what you said was, you know, how do you keep reminding yourself that your voice matters? Yeah. What are some practical ways that you do that? Yeah, um, I mean, very cheesy maybe, but um, very true for me. I stay in the word and just, I mean, that's that really has to be the foundation of anything that I do in my life, uh, specifically where it concerns race and mm-hmm. which race in, in and of itself is a man-made structure and, and mm-hmm. concept. It's not something that I, I believe comes from Jesus right. or, you know, from God. Um, but I, I have to stay, you know, founded in his truth and um, very close to him is, is really the most important thing for me is staying close to him. And what that looks like for me is really leaning into him and knowing what his voice is to me and making sure that when I'm making decisions for Restoration House, when I'm making decisions in my family, when I'm making decisions in general for life, that I'm being led by him and by his voice and not by what culture dictate, dictates and what culture tells me about myself. Um, so I think those are kind of some practical ways. That's great. Yeah. That's good. I think you're speaking to so many listeners probably right now who feel like they also are struggling with feeling like does their voice matter and allow that so wor- so loud right now. Yeah. And those are great practices and reminders for us. And, you know, whether it's feeling as a minority or feeling too young or feeling not mature in your faith, you yep. know, it's just being true to how God is uniquely created and called us to be. And Absolutely. he needs everyone, you know, kind of using their own voice. We can't shout or talk in someone else's voice. Absolutely. There's only one Kanisha bike. So <laughs> you thank do. God. And and I and I think, you know, one of the things that we want to talk about is what does it look like to kind of live the life in front of you um, instead of either, you know, trying to live someone else's life or story or even trying to live um, in a place where you're not there yet. Yeah. Everyone wants to be there yet, yeah. the in-between as God is developing and and really preparing you for, for that time. Yeah. Um, how would you encourage listeners right now who find themselves kind of in a waiting season or a yeah. confusing season? Yeah. I think I'm in that. <laughs> I think I've been in that. You know, we released this book in April and there was kind of a two and a half year span from the initial invitation to write the book to the day that the, that the book was released where 
um, God was definitely working in me throughout the writing process and kind of revealing some things that I didn't even know were inside of me. But after that time, I think there was this idea that I had that once this book released, that everything was going to be amazing. And this was my <laughs> moment, right? And it, is, it has been everything but that. Wow. It's probably been one of the hardest seasons of my entire life. Wow. And um, anyone out there who may have heard my story or if, if I had a lot of time to be able to share, my life has been, I mean, and this is going to sound like martyrdom. It's not. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to help people relate out there. My life has not been, you know, extremely easy, which most yeah. of us haven't had extremely easy lives. Yeah. Um, but there's been a lot of trauma in my life. So to say that this season has been one of the hardest of my life really means something. Mm. So, so we released this book. And I think that everything is going to be amazing. And this year has been the opposite of that. And so I feel like I am now in that season of waiting to discover what it is God is really asking me to do. And I think that in the midst of that, um, I've come into this realization that I can either, and this is just kind of my personality, I can either sit and wallow in despair and pain and the woe is me attitude of um, God doesn't care about me anymore or he doesn't see me or he isn't near. Or I can choose to, with whatever is left in me by the power of God, to sit with him and allow him to speak truth to me. And there was a few months, I guess it was a few months ago, where I had literally lost everything in me. I mean, I was in my bathroom, like sobbing, crying. And I remember calling out to God and just saying, what are you doing to me? What I mean, literally with my mouth, what are you doing to me? I've got nothing. Boom. In that moment, the Holy Spirit just says, now I can use you. Hmm. <sighs> okay. Okay. So I think it's in those seasons of waiting when we're, I think we get so caught up, you know, we've got social media and we have, you know, our, our church communities and all these people perhaps maybe surrounding us and telling us that in, in very indirect ways that, that we're supposed to like look for the more. And that when we've, you know, we've got this last thing that we thought was so amazing checked off on our list that there, what's the next thing? Right. And I don't think that that's, I think that's a cultural thing. I don't think that's a God thing. And so I think that I believe that God wants to get us to the end of ourselves a lot of times mm -hmm. so that he can actually use us for his kingdom, for his good, for his glory. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and so I think that that would maybe be a, a small piece of advice, maybe. I, I don't know. Hopefully that's helpful for those listening out there. Um, when you feel like you have nothing, that's actually when God moves the most and moves in the best way because it's biblical, right? Like yeah. um, he is strong when we're weak. It's, it's through our weakness that he, he shows how strong he actually is. So I think that, um, that there's hope in that. There's hope obviously found in in the word and in those times where where we feel like we don't have anything left to give or when we're waiting, that God is actually in the midst of that season. He's in the midst of that moment and he wants he wants to use us even when we don't feel like we have anything to give. That's right. Yeah, that's good. I think it's a, a great reminder that there's such a tendency to look 
to the end result, to, to feel that success when we've arrived. You know, you're someone who has released an incredible book that's on Amazon that's selling, and yet that was not the fulfillment and the satisfaction <laughs> that um, that you were looking for. Ultimately, it's your relationship with God. Absolutely. And I think that's an encouragement to all of us who are striving in this world to seek good things for God, but in reality, He just wants us to seek Him. It's not even about, I mean, that book was never about me, and I knew that from the beginning. But, you know, human, you kind of forget things every now and then. Absolutely. And I I think I'm continually being reminded that it's not about me at all. Even in writing the book, it was—I told you I was going to cry. Even even in writing the book, I'm just reminded that God will do anything because He's so relentless to get time with us. And even as I think about Restoration House and— I think about how Restoration House was built and what it started from. It started from a need for me, even though at that time I didn't know how intense the need was, to commune with God. And it, I thought, even as I'm saying this, I'm like, if, if I needed that that intensely and I didn't even know it, like think about how intense and relentless God's love is for us and how much he needs to just be with us and have community with, and, and commune with us. And so even for this past season, He's like, I just want to be with you. Like, I don't, I don't want you to worry about what's next. I don't want you to worry about what your book sell, like how many book sales you have or your next, you know, tour or your engagement or whatever is, whatever you've got in your mind, in your heart. I think they're all amazing and beautiful and God places beautiful desires in our hearts. But at the end of the day, none of that stuff matters because yeah. all that matters when you boil it down is how we commune with, with him. And um, and I think that he'll do anything to get us there. So for me, as I think about this book, even it's been amazing and fun and it's a beautiful book, as you said, mm-hmm. had a great team um, to help put it together. Um, but it, but it really was just about God's like, hey, I'm going to give you this book to write because I just really want to spend time with you. Right. Yeah. And I really want other people to learn how to spend time with me, too. You know, what I love about that is I think sometimes and especially just real surface level, like in the world of how your house looks and how you decorate and how you put things together, there can be a, oh, I have to have it all together. I've got to look like someone else. I've got to do it just right. Mm -hmm. I got to get the like Joanna Gaines vibe. (laughs) But what I love is at the heart of that, what you're saying, you know, is it's not about performing or proving anything. It's really just how are you intentional? And like you're saying, like, how do you let God into those spaces and even just into your life? Absolutely. So I think that's beautiful that the book was that avenue for you Absolutely. in right. life recently. Right. So Creating really space for God and ultimately creating space for others to encounter God. Absolutely. And just that openness and learning how to be hospitable. But yeah. we can't do that unless we are completely connected to Him. What a yeah. neat way. I mean, just I'm fired up to go yeah. look at my house. And, <laughs> and, and I know that, but I just love the intentionality that you have placed within that. Yeah, so thank you. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, part of this podcast is really um, just inquiring from women like you, how do you be well in the season that God has called you to? And you had you know, mentioned earlier that you're in a big season. Mm-hmm. Your plate is full. You've mm-hmm. got four kids. and um, But also, you know, emotionally, sometimes yeah. God has us in seasons too. And yeah. you had indicated this has kind of been a tough season. Yep. So what does it look like to be well yeah. in those seasons where yeah. things are not well? I mean, hopefully this is 
not sounding like I'm not trying to answer the question, but <laughs> I think sometimes being well looks like not being well. Mm. Because I think that... I grew up in the church my entire life, 41. And I've had so many conversations over this past year with people who are really going through hard things and who don't have the support that they need because the communities that they're in don't know how to support people when they're going through hard things because we've been taught to muster it up and to have faith and to give someone a scripture and but I think that what we're really actually being called to is to live a real pure authentic life not just with one another but with Jesus and so I think this season for me has definitely been a challenging one but not I think I've challenged myself even more to quote unquote keep it real with people you know when someone says hey how are you doing I'm not saying anymore, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm saying, actually, this is a really hard season, and here's why. Mm -hmm. And I've had some people clutch pearls, and I've had some people who lean in. And the lean-iners are the ones who stick around for life, right? Um, call them lifers. So, yeah, we, call, we do. We call them lifers. So um, I think that it's really hard to be well when those around you are not able to support your not being well. Um, one of the things I thought about when you asked that question was that we need community. I mean, it sounds kind of cliche maybe for me to say it, but it's such a, community has been such an integral part of my life, especially coming from the South, raised by my grandmother, who literally forced me to bake cakes with her and take them to people who were sick in our community and to just sit with old people and have conversations with them. Those things, of course, I did not love when I was younger, but now as I look back as a 41-year-old grown woman, um, I can totally appreciate what they did and the, the type of foundation they set for me. They set a foundation of understanding that people are important, that their stories are important, and that people matter. And I think that, that we need that sense of community in order to be well, but we don't just need like this artificial, superficial source of community. We need people who are surrounding us, who understand what it actually means and what it actually looks like to support one another um, through hard times and through hard seasons. So I think that that's one of the, one of the things that's really key in a season of, that you're, if you're walking through a season where you feel like you are at your end, where you feel like if you're depressed. I mean, these are things that we really actually, I mean, they're kind of becoming trendy, Right. Yeah. And some right, right. subcultural communities of churches. But for the most part, by and large, like the church at large, we're not talking about yeah. these things because they're so yeah. taboo for some reason. I think that I mean, I <laughs> as a teenage girl, <laughs> um, I was never called rebellious. But as I think about my life and my heart during those years, I was definitely a rebellious mm -hmm. spirited teenager in some ways, right? What you would stereotypically call a rebellious teenager. But I think that God can use anything. And so as a 41-year-old woman, now the rebellion has turned into like righteous indignation in some ways, mm -hmm. right? So, or in, the justice in me is like fired up. Like we need to talk about these things because 
I know that that's where the freedom lies. Yeah. You know that that's where the freedom lies. Um, we need everyone to know that that's where the freedom lies and that's where kingdom come comes, right? right? So yeah, I think that we just need more authenticity. We need more real community. We need more people who are even able to share their stories mm-hmm. and to say, hey, like I'm not well and that's okay. I don't need you to pray with me actually today. I don't need you to give me a scripture from Philippians or from Corinthians or anything. I just need you to just sit with me mm-hmm. and not be offended by the fact that I'm having suicidal thoughts. I mean, I'm kind of getting a little bit real here, but <laughs> like, I need you to sit right. with me and understand like my humanity, right? Right? Because right. Jesus isn't afraid of that stuff. He never was. God isn't afraid of that stuff. Why should we be intimidated or offended by the thought that people are dealing with human stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're human. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that reminder to find people that are okay with you not being well. Yeah. Like those are good friends. A thousand percent. That's, that's yeah. community because we are uncomfortable when people are not well. This idea of imperfection is really uncomfortable for us. And I think that that's even a thought that we have to sit in. That's so good. I hope that is an encouragement to someone out there. I mean, we're not interested in conversations that continue this facade or continue pretending, but I think when we're to be well, you said something about being well and saying that you're not well. That's just so important. And I think we could all stand a little bit more of that realness. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing your oh heart today. Thank you for letting me. I feel like we just tapped the <laughs> yeah, we so much for the iceberg. Yeah. yeah. So if people want to connect with you more, tell them how they can get more of this Kanisha goodness. <laughs> Where can they find you, follow you? Well, you can find me on Instagram at Restoration House. I actually haven't posted there in a couple of months because I've needed to take a break. Yeah. But you will be able to find me there. I'm in my stories almost every day, but I'm just not posting on my feed. So you can find me there at Restoration House. You can find me online at restorationhouseblog.com and just about anywhere else, Facebook, Pinterest, at Restoration House. And you can buy my book. Yes, yes. <laughs> on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can go and just target.com. Yeah. Yeah, it's everywhere. Well, thank you, Kanisha, thank for you, spending Kanisha. time with us. And thank, thank, you. thank you for living the life in front of you right now. Thank you. Well, I really appreciated that conversation and I'm glad that you got to hear that with us. Um, I just appreciate anyone who's willing to be honest about um, the complexity of life and how sometimes things don't feel the way they should or the way you think they should. But um, I just think that's important to share that and encourages me to just keep going when things feel a little off. That's right. And maybe some of you listening connected to what Kanisha was sharing. And I just want to encourage you to connect with her through her social media. She's on Instagram at Restoration House. You can go to her website, restorationhouseblog.com. Certainly her book is a great thing that you can order on Amazon. Just really looking that, you know, as God is creating beauty within and sometimes the messiness of life, he's doing that so that he can create that beauty outwards. And it's something that we get to give to this world, right? The message out of the mess, the beauty out of ashes. And she really speaks to that truth and that hope really. So great conversation today. Yeah. Thanks for listening in. As always, if you like what you're hearing on the podcast, make sure that you like it and share and subscribe. And if you think of someone that this conversation would help out today, make sure you let them know to check out this episode. So we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Be well.